Well, again, I, I do want to welcome you and just say thank you for coming and making tonight special for us. You know, when we wake up tomorrow morning, it's going to be Christmas. How many of you are excited for Christmas morning? See, all the kids like, woohoo! Like, is it Christmas yet? Like, they've been checking watches they don't even have. And the parents are like, we're not ready for this. You know, it always kind of cracks me up because you'll hear a lot of people as we get closer and closer to Christmas, they'll they'll say things like, man, Christmas just snuck up on us. You know, and the reality is ever since 336 A.D., Christmas has always been on December 25th. Now that means for our entire lives, your entire lives, and many who have come before us, that December 25th has always been Christmas Day. But what it means is the year just kind of got away from us. Like, how many of you had great plans for 2019 in January of 2019? Okay, I'm not going to ask you how you're doing all those plans. Uh, I'm just going to say you got about a week left. But what, did, what about that first Christmas night? Now, I'm, I'm not going to argue that Jesus was born on December 25th. I'm going to say Scripture doesn't tell us the date. Why? Because the date isn't important. It's the purpose that was important. But we, we sing all these songs, you know, silent night, you know, all is calm. Um, I'm the proud papa of four beautiful children, uh, three biologic, one we are adopting. And, and I can say this, on the first day that they came into the world, um, it was a lot of things. Calm was not one of them. Um, silent was not one of them either. But think about that first Christmas night. Do you think it took them by surprise? Probably. Now, here, think about it, though. They had the Old Testament prophecies. Shouldn't they have known that the Messiah was coming to me? After all, God had promised all the way back in Genesis 3, the beginning of time, he had promised he was going to send a Redeemer. So shouldn't they have been looking for him? I mean, most of them, especially in Israel, they would have grown up hearing all of the stories in the Old Testament. They would have been expecting and longing for their Redeemer to come. But really, the question isn't, were they surprised? The question for them, the question for you and I is this, were they ready? What was the purpose of Jesus' coming? And this is what we want to look at. We're just going to look at a couple but I am going to ask you, if you're able, and if you would, if you just stand with me as we're going to honor the reading of God's Word. It's two verses, Galatians 4, 5. And the Word of God says this. When the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this night. We thank you for this season. A season that we can remember the purpose of life. And it's not to accumulate stuff, but it's rather to live in a relationship with you that was bought and paid for by your life. So God, as we read and study your word for just a few moments, I just pray, God, that you would give us ears to hear and hearts to receive the truth of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. And you may be seated. Paul uses a really interesting phrase here in the text there in verse 4. He says, but when the fullness of the time was come. Now, in the Greek, the word the is a definite article. It's a specific time. What Paul is saying, 
that Jesus came at just the right time. Now, if we were to read other places in the New that we would read that God had planned to send Jesus from before the foundation of the world. You know, before the Genesis account, God knew that he was going to send a redeemer. But we see that it was at a specific time. What was going on? Why is it that God chose the specific time he did? Somewhere between 6 and 4 BC. Why that time? More importantly, what difference does that make to you and I at 2019 on the precipice of 2020? If we were to study history, this is what we would learn. That the time leading up to Jesus' birth was marked by trouble and by corruption. On one hand, there was religious corruption. The religious leaders had been adding to the law. And they were just heaping burden after burden on the people. And the people were getting weighed down. They're, they were wondering, how can I possibly please God? With all of these laws, with all these expectations, how do we even know if I'm right with God? On top of this, religious leadership should be about who God appoints, but really what it had become about was who could pay the most money to be appointed. And so there's all sorts of religious corruption that is going on in this. On top of that, you have political corruption. The Roman Empire is force, and they were very, very oppressive, especially to the Jewish people. And so this left the, the people looking and longing for something better, something that they had heard all about growing up, that they were just longing for a better time in life. And it's in this way that I really see the parallel between the time of Jesus' birth and our time right now. Is it any surprise that the two least trusted institutions in American life, that of the church and politics, are the same two that people trust the least in Jesus' day? Now you add even more on top of this, Israel used to having God have prophets sent to them. Men of God receiving messages from God to relate to them. But it had been 400 years since God had sent a prophet. 400 years of silence. They're looking at all the problems, everything that's going on. Do you think that some of them probably felt abandoned by God? Maybe they thought that God had forgotten about them. What about the promises that he had made to us? Maybe they felt like God did love them at one time, but they had just gone too far. They had messed up so bad that God said, I can't do anything with you, and he just walked away from them. You know, my guess is there's probably a lot of people in our country and around the world who have many of these same thoughts, and the reality strikes me there may be some here this evening that are having some of those same thoughts. To think, forgot me. God's left me. Maybe, maybe He did love me at one time, but I've just messed up so bad. How, how could I ever go back? And all of this, there's been too much time. For some of you, you might think, you know what? I still love God, but I just don't hear from Him anymore. Like I used to really grow in my relationship with God, and, and I used to love 
just going to church and reading scripture and doing all this stuff, but I don't know. Church just doesn't seem like the church. I mean, my guess is most of you in here, if you spend any time growing up in, in church and you remember the political landscape and you look at where we are as a nation, you kind of wonder, where did this go wrong? Like, how, how did it get where we are as a nation? And this is what God's word wants to say to us. This is what God said on that night in Bethlehem. This is what Jesus taught in his ministry. It's what Paul uh, wrote to the early church. And what scripture's saying tonight is that is true. God has not hasn't forgotten you, loving you. He hasn't stopped pursuing you. All of those things are lies from our very real enemy, Satan. God hasn't forgotten us. He hasn't abandoned us. Yo, maybe you came in here tonight thinking that you just really messed up so bad that God just can't love you. Yet I want you to hear this. Romans chapter 5, verse 20, the end of it says this. Where sin did abound, grace did abound much more. You cannot out-sin the grace of God. You haven't gone too far. Because Jesus did not come to this earth to simply clean off people who got a little dusty. Jesus came to redeem the dirty, the defiled, the depraved. We see that in verse 5 when it says to redeem them under the law. Jesus came as a specific fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. And you can see over and over Genesis 3 where God said, I'm going to send a redeemer. There in Isaiah 7 verse 14. Jesus says that the Redeemer is going to be born of a virgin. And that specific promise meant this. This promise from God that God is with us. If you read Isaiah 7 and then Matthew 1, you see, you shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. The very fact that God sent the creator of it all to his creation was proof that God was not done yet. He had a plan and a purpose that was bigger than what we understand and greater than we could fulfill. In the, in the text here, verse 5, where it says to redeem, that word means to buy back, pay a price. There in Matthew 20, verse 28, Jesus says that he has come to give his life as a ransom for many. He says it's going to be my life for yours. It's going to be my to purchase and buy back the world to God himself. The picture that Paul is using is really to buy someone off of a slave market. Now, you and I probably don't really think of ourselves as slaves, but Scripture would say that we're slaves to one of two people. We are either slaves to the Lord Jesus Christ, which means we are loving him and obeying him, or we're slaves to our sin. We're doing life our way doing things the way I want to, what makes me happy. And the reality is every one of us needs to be purchased or to be redeemed off this slave market. There's an Old Testament book that gives us this beautiful picture. It's the book of Hosea. Uh, You probably haven't heard a whole lot of sermons out of the book of Hosea. But Hosea is a story uh, that Hosea is a prophet of God. And God says, I want you to go marry this woman by the name of Gomer. And let's just say Gomer didn't have a good reputation. 
She knew a lot of guys, but she wasn't tied down to any of them. And so the prophet of God goes and marries Gomer. And it seems to go okay for a while, but then all of a sudden Gomer kind of likes life the way it was. And so she goes and she cheats on her husband and she goes and she gets thrown back into the slave market. And this is where the story really takes a, a strange twist. Most of us would go, I'm done. You know, I tried. God, I did what you told me to do, but she doesn't want me. I don't want her. I'm done. And, and this is what God told Hosea. Nope. I want you to go back to the slave market and I want you to buy her, but not just for the bare minimum. No, no. Hosea, you are going to pay an enormous price for Gomer. You're going to pay a price that is so high that nobody else would be willing or able to match that price. See, that story is about you and I. It's about the love of God and the grace of God that even though we are deep in our sin, the Lord Jesus Christ has pursued us and by his blood, by his death, he has paid the highest possible price for you and I to be forgiven of all of our sins, to experience a relationship with him, to ultimately be redeemed by him. You and I, Gomer, we have nothing. A slave couldn't buy themselves off of the market. They were at the mercy of somebody else. And in the same way, you and I, we cannot redeem we can't save ourselves. And this is the love of God and the grace of God. So incredible that even though he knew who we were, he knew exactly what we would do, it did not deter him from dying in our place. His love is greater than our sin. Because of what Paul says in Romans 5, verses 6 through 8, he writes this, For, we, for when we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet for a good man some would even dare die. But God demonstrated his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus didn't die for some future fancy religious us. He died fully knowing that we were dead in our sins, that we have nothing to offer him, that there's nothing we can give him. There, there's no present that would miraculously make up for who we are and what we have done, and yet the love of God says, I will take your place. This is why we celebrate Christmas. This is the hope of Christmas at just the right time. When, when all seemed lost, when all seemed hopeless, God sent hope. Sent Jesus. God sent Jesus to a people who were loaded down with burdens, who felt overwhelmed by the stresses of life, who didn't know what to do or where to turn. God sent Jesus to die for those who were moral people, you know, the people who were trying to, to keep the law and, and to do good things. And he paid a price that was required for our sin. And he did it without a string attached. He's not saying, I'm going to do this if you'll do this for me. He said, I'm going to do it because I love you, because it's who I am. 
I desire to give you and lavish on you far more gifts than you can possibly imagine. The, the love of God, the relationship of walking with him can so fully satisfy us that when we look at things in the world, they simply don't matter as much anymore. You haven't sinned too much. You haven't gone too far. And God has not abandoned you. He's been waiting for the right time for you to see who you are so that you can look into his glorious face and see who he is. And to understand, I am loved. I am accepted not because of who I am, but because of who he is. This is our identity. Maybe that is tonight for you. I don't know what, what you came in here with, but I do know this. There are three types of people in the room. There are those who have just come through a difficult time in life. There are those who have just gone through. And then there are those who are in the middle of it. So you're either in it, just come through it, or you're about to enter it. This is the cycle of life. Maybe you're stressed out and strung out. Not because you're running from service to family members and all the other things that you have to do tomorrow. You're stressed out and you're strung out about life in general. You came in here wondering, what's the purpose? Why am I even here? You feel like throwing up your hands and giving up. But what if instead of throwing your hands up and giving up, what if you instead threw your hands up, reaching out for the help and the hope that can only be found in Jesus? What if tonight, for the first time ever, you experienced true love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, hope, That's what God is offering. Not in the form of being a good person, not in the form of saying some prayer and then going about your business, but in true, genuine surrendering of your heart and your life to Him. Going, you know what? I've tried everything else in this world and nothing has satisfied me. But in that surrender, you will find your satisfaction. But then there's the other side of it. Maybe in here, you're feeling pretty confident about yourself. Man, after all, you're a pretty good person, right? I mean, in your own judgment, you're a good person. And other people say, I'm a pretty good person. So you're feeling okay. I mean, after all, you, you, you help people when you can. You treat people right. And, and I mean, you go to church. Not every week, but I certainly go to church more than my neighbors, right? So I'm a good person. I'm okay with God, right? Well, let me answer your question with a question. If being right with God depended on what you and I do, why did the creator of heaven and earth have to come to his creation, born of a virgin in Bethlehem and die on a cross outside of Jerusalem? See, what God wants us to see in his word is this. The very fact that Jesus had to come in the first place is proof that there's nothing you and I can do to save ourselves. That the best we've got is not good enough to pay the debt that we truly owe to God. So for you, the fullness of time, just the right time is this. That God is showing you, I can't, but Jesus did. I've tried and I failed 
What I couldn't do, Jesus did on my behalf. And at just the right time, he paid the price for our sins so that we could be saved. Whether you feel far from God or justified in your own actions, Jesus is saying the glory of heaven, the gift of heaven is not in a place. And that person is Jesus. So the final question tonight for you is this. What are you going to do with what God has said? If there's a way we can pray for you, encourage you, help you, I hope you will hang around after service. We'd love to be able to talk to you. There's men, women over this, throughout this room. We would love to pray with you and help you in any way that we can. What we're going to plead with you to do is simply this. Don't leave here without knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt that you've not only heard of the gift from God, but that it's your gift from God. Would you pray with me? Father God, we thank you for this, this time, just a, a few moments to look into your word. And Lord, to be able to celebrate who you are and what you have done in the fullness of the time. Lord, what a phrase. At just the right time. We look around in this nation and Lord, we see a lot of things. The world is making a lot of promises. They always overpromise and underdeliver. But God, that's never of you. Because what you have given us is far greater than anything we could ever imagine. Certainly greater than anything we could ever deserve. And you offer this gift of salvation, the forgiveness of sins and redemption not because we get dressed up and go to church, not because we read a Bible or, or not even because we got baptized or maybe you're a member of a church somewhere for it's not our works that save us, it's the faith and the grace that's what saves us and so Lord I pray that as you have spoken tonight Lord any hearts that you may be drawing, any questions, concerns that may be propping up even now. Lord, I pray that above all else, they would just begin to, to talk with you. Just to say what's on their heart. And Father, they would reach out to, to men and women here that we could pray with, we could encourage them. But above all else, Father God, we thank you for them coming tonight. And I pray, Lord, that we have lifted high the name of Jesus because we have the promise in Scripture that as we lift high the Son of Man, He will draw all the world to Himself. So, Lord, as You are drawing us, may You save us. And may we glory in You and You alone this Christmas season and every season until we see You again. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, again, thank you for, for spending time. We're not done yet. We are going to light some candles and just have a, a little more time of worship.